0: to color me dead this is a true crime podcast and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor
1: if you don't like words like fuck and cunt then you probably shouldn't listen but if you do then join us while we fuck your feelings
0: This is the Bleak Shop Killer speaking. Visit bleakshop.bigcartel.com for all of your true crime needs.
1: Where are patches and buttons? So people at parties know that you're into true crime without even talking to you. That's Bleakshop. in
0: transmission.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi. It's Nikki and Angel from the Color Me Dead podcast. Mm-hmm. 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 Pudding. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the creepy, um, Bill Cosby. Yeah, Bill Cosby, <laughs> which is really inappropriate considering this is a Survivor series. Damn. I'm an asshole. Well, that's yeah, why people okay. like us, though. So, Mary, right, fair you enough. Off. You want some pudding? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know when to stop. <laughs> judgy eyes. <laughs> I haven't had the judgy eyes for a while. <laughs> It's It's like you've grown accustomed (laughs) to me by now.
0: It was pretty funny. Um, (laughs) uh,
1: Sudio. Sweden. So if you want to get your Studio Sweden headphones. Headphones? Headphones. You Um, can go to sudio.com and use the promo code CMD at checkout for 15% off your order. Apparently, quite a few of our listeners have these headphones. Headphones? Uh, So I've seen... Because People they're asking, them. yeah, they're asking questions about them. We obviously love the over the ear the best.
0: I like the over the ear. One. But
1: when you can't have the over the ear, there's their wireless earbuds, they have wired earbuds, and now they have the ones with the no wires. Has
0: both.
1: Yeah, well, they have the wired ones too, they have You'll the wired those. headphones. But then they have the ones with no wires whatsoever. It's just a little bud that goes in your ear. I just ordered those. We'll see A, how long they last, B, how long I can go without losing them. <laughs> we'll see what happens i'm a little afraid for for its health afraid 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 i'm gonna have to put a beeper on it so i can find it
0: if you guys want to join us on our patreon cult
1: <laughs> we've changed we've turned it into a cult it's a cult now it's cult. it's a cult kyle you start cult? That's so sweet. That's so sweet. If you don't understand the names of our cult tiers, you should go watch Varsity Blues. Yes. And if you want to join
0: us in our top tier, which is the Examinators, mm-hmm. join okay. us at patreon.com slash podcast. And that would be Tiffany Piper, Sharon Hoffman, Clinton Toon, Samantha Vaughn, and Tracy
1: Louderkeith. And those are Our Examinators. Our Examinators. They were our... uh, Alpha dogs? Alpha dogs. And now they're like our John Travolta's of our cult. If we were Scientology, they're allowed to kill people. So there. I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I know. Apparently painkillers make me shock you. (laughs) (laughs) Just like giving you the shocker, but with my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh my god.
0: <clears throat> Go to the bleak shop and check out their serial killer swag
1: because they sent us a grip of cool shit. They did. And there's um you just heard their ad. I can't talk. You just heard their ad before this and they are come on awesome. mouth. I know. Make the fucking words. Uh, make the words. And they have really good prices. Everything is at a good price. Keep promoting them so they can make more shits.
0: Yes. And they sent me some great buttons that are buttons. going on my.
1: buttons
0: that are going on my bog?
1: And if you order anything from them, um, send them a picture. If you have a vest or whatever. Yes. Um, put it, if, whatever you put it on, send them pictures so they can use it for advertisement. Anyway, if you want to order, go to.
0: Uh, thebleakshop.bigcartel.com. Yes. Yes. So, right?
1: yeah, I did Heartburn. I'm old. <laughs> I thought I was it gonna bear. back. fucking hurts. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, we're on part three of our Survivor Series. These are very fucking heavy this week. We did, we packed you full. Not that any of them ever weren't, but we packed you full of four stories that are insane so fasten your seat belts there may be triggers our first um our first story has to do with child it's child abuse so joe and sexual abuse we're sorry joe we love you but we're raising awareness and i know that you have our back on raising awareness yes I'm going to cry. I know. This God. one Here, This one got me. me. I will start it. Um, this
0: I'm not 100% sure I can read that.
1: No. This story comes from a listener named Vanessa. It, um, Sorry, I already should have done. But we want to warn again that there are triggers in this story. Mm-hmm. It starts off saying, I need to begin the story by telling you that my mother is a diagnosed sociopath. I say this not to excuse anything she did, but perhaps to point that she was psychologically unable to behave differently. At the age of five years old, my mom began having an affair behind my dad's back. My dad was a hard-working man, and I only really remember seeing him on Sundays. He took us to do something fun, and although he was a traditional and old-fashioned in his views about traditional gender roles, he was loving and caring, and he knew he had no knowledge of the earlier trauma in my life until I told him as an adult.
0: How sad.
1: How sad for her to keep it to herself for that long that your dad doesn't even know what's going on. Or
0: that he would have to fucking swallow that pill.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so my mom had this affair and at some point enters a bargain that this man would only keep seeing her if she allowed him to spend time alone with me on a regular basis.
0: Jesus Christ, here we go. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The abuse began immediately and escalated quickly. He was a sadist, although I had no idea what this this meant at five. I have to pause so you can take that in at five.
0: Okay, I'm swallowing it.
1: And his abuse involved stringing me up by the arms in an outhouse we had on our property and repeatedly raping me. He would insert objects into my anus and force me to perform oral sex on him. I'll keep going.
0: Jesus Christ. I'm yeah, shaking. you're you're going to have to
1: fucking read this because yeah, I can't. I'm shaking. This one gets me really bad. There were many other things he did, including burning me with cigarettes and threatening to kill my siblings and father if I tried to tell them what was happening. I wholeheartedly believed him. Of course she did. She's five. What else does she know? The abuse ended after two years when the relationship ended with my mother and shortly after my parents' marriage broke down. It was the 80s, and it was usual for children to stay with the mom, and although my dad did try to fight to get custody of us, he was unsuccessful. Fast forward to teens, and my mom had married an alcoholic. So she remarried an alcoholic. She goes from this what seems like a traditional nice man to an alcoholic after her affair with fuck fucky fuckerson i was living a life totally without boundaries free to come and go as i pleased at 13 and learning about the world from what i taught myself i was raped at 13 in a drunken haze but by then my self-esteem and expectations were so damaged i didn't even really think there was anything wrong with it I found my first real boyfriend at 14. He was 19, and shortly after I moved in with and shortly after I moved in with him and his family. The first year of our relationship was the happiest I had ever been. I felt love and affection from him and all of his family, and so the first time he hit me, I wanted to d- dismiss it. It got worse over the next 6 months. Eventually, he cheated on me and I left him. Somehow through all of this, I managed to stay in school and made good grades. And at 18, I was accepted into university. Uh, There, although I did well academically, I started working as an escort. I slept with men for money, but through an agency. And I can honestly say I never felt pressured or unsafe. I guess, uh, I guess what you, good Jesus. I guess what it was, I guess you could call it a high class agency. I knew what I was trying to say, but I couldn't read it.
0: Well, I mean, at least she was safe.
1: Yeah. I was pretty and slim, primarily due to my now ever-increasing cocaine habit, and I made a load of money oh, doing it. Yeah. That hard. After graduation, I oh, stayed damn. at that job until I met the man who would eventually beca- become my husband. He was amazing, I told him everything that happened in my life and all the bad choices I had made. As a result, he told me that he loved me because of those things, not in spite of them. He told me about the violent home he had grown up in, and I felt deeply in love with him. We married after two years of dating, and the the small ways he was overprotective of me, especially when it came to maintaining relationships with my family and with my friends I had made as an escort and a drug user felt to me like he was trying to rescue me from being at risk and i never questioned it once married he took control of the finances he told me he didn't want me to be tempted to to buy drugs with it and once again i felt like he was protecting me from myself so i would be able to live a life where i didn't continue to damage myself physically or emotionally anymore i was blissfully happy when we found out that i was pregnant and so was he He found out, or we found out the sex and I was touched when I came home one day to find he had decorated the nursery. Chosen all the decor, furniture. That's really sweet. Yes. push chairs, wardrobe full of new clothes for the baby. I've never felt so taken care of in all my life. As a woman who has three children and (laughs) (laughs) usually got made fun of for wanting to have a nursery because the baby doesn't care what it looks like, you know to come home to that like she had to feel overwhelmed with loved. love after our eldest was born I developed PND and he would tell me to snap out of it I hated my body and he made it clear that he wanted me to get back in shape as quickly as possible it's not this is a quote from him this is what he would say to her it's not healthy for you to be this fat he would say I want to find you attractive again, but you really need to get your figure back before that can happen. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. And what men don't understand? Wow. <laughs> there's some women that can bounce back and be in a bikini three weeks later, like one of my sister in laws, like literally in a bikini right after I she don't had a give baby. A shit. There's some like me that I, my baby's five, and I still have a baby pudge that's I, never gonna go away I, I, unless I, I get I've surgery. i never had a
0: baby. can can you see all this
1: some people's skin stretches differently like mine stretches and doesn't i don't have the elasticity that brings it back and some people have it some people don't for men to judge a woman on how fast she gets her her weight back is really fucking stupid we go through a lot in pregnancy and trying to get back
0: yeah i've never even had a baby
1: <laughs> That's, I didn't look different like, before <laughs> I had a baby. I just, I just, I, I gained I, I a flap. I don't know if you've
0: looked at this, but I've never even had a baby. All
1: I gained was this flap before it was up a little higher. <laughs> these, these, these right here. Mm, I just <laughs> got the fupa before it was less of a fupa. That's all I gained. He suggested putting me on a diet where he would be in control of my food and exercise regime to help me. Once again, I saw this as his way of trying to be supportive because he knew I was unhappy. I'm going to split right here. And in a relationship that I was in previously, I hadn't had a baby because I didn't have kids at the time. But he did that to me. He would write, like, and he was very controlling like this. He would write down what what you should eat, what you should do, what, like, when I should wake up. If I took a nap, he'd get pissed. Okay, I worked at a ranch at the time, and I woke up early and changed water. Sometimes I'd come home and have an after-lunch small siesta, but that made me fat. He didn't like that. And at the time, I really wasn't fat. I was a little chubby, but it wasn't anything out of control i wore like a size 30 you like i pants. should kill it yes or a size 31 in pants and that's small for me a with 31? my huge ass yeah i remember, I remember crying I'm
0: barely getting into a 34
1: <laughs> and that's my big ass like i've always had to wear giant sizes and that yeah they can they get in your head and they make you feel like you're a piece of shit it's what they do um Comments he made in front of our friends about being married to the Michelin man were hurtful. That's I've also been through that and I hadn't had a baby. told me I was a pig. You' tell our friends I was a pig. but I yeah, all, he
0: also fucking shook his cup at you a drink.
1: Yeah, I can relate to this way too well and I hadn't had a baby, um, which doesn't matter. I can just relate to it completely. I never questioned it. He slowly began to buy my clothes for me, throwing away my old favorites, telling me that feeling stylish would make me feel more comfortable in my body again, and although it didn't, I honestly thought that his heart was in the right place and that he wanted to lift the fog of PND, and for me, he was trying as hard as he could.
0: It's whatever it works. no it's
1: not i had this same thing with the clothes but it was the opposite he threw anything i had cute if i had a girl cut t-shirt he said that was slutty he wanted me to wear oh, his like, clothes like
0: am i telling me that i'm dressed too
1: skimpy yeah he wanted me mm. to wear his like my car heart pants with his button-up shirts that's what he wanted me to wear do you see me wearing that no, no.
0: not never not
1: never not Jesus no way not no. how Eventually I recovered and life moved on. He still kept me on a strict food and exercise regime and I always and always chose my clothes, but somewhere along the line I had accepted this as the normal way of things. Which yes, they get in your fucking head. It's I'm
0: sorry, I'm gasping. Yeah. Like are you fucking kidding me? And they
1: get inside your head I so guess much. I'm that, just so
0: fucking used to having Spence.
1: Yeah. Well, and you were—he
0: would, dude. He's like, let me pick your sweats for you, <laughs> right?
1: Like he knows. Well, because you're lucky enough to have that voice. You have that, he's you know. Tweet card. Yeah, and you guys, you work. You have the voice. Not that he would ever tell you what to wear. He'd be like, well, I don't care. Good, good luck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you could be like, well, we're going out to a fancy restaurant. I'm gonna wear my sweats. He'd be like, all right. <laughs> there, at least there's room for your stomach to stretch a you too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, the same pattern repeated after our second child. Only this time he revealed to me that he had sought sexual gratification with sex workers because he didn't want to, quote, cheat on me emotionally. Um, went wants your dick's in somebody else. So when cheating. you put your
0: wiener mm-hmm. where it doesn't belong, mm-hmm. that is cheating.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, a blow-up doll, it's fine, but it, another human, no. Okay. Um, Even a blow-up doll would be... Uh, is, I, didn't, yeah. I mean, I'm not judging, Probably. but... I, <laughs> whatever.
0: I'm not going to mm. be happy with it.
1: But the way I looked physically after another baby was just so unattractive. It Guys, Says fucking who? If you can't handle what we look like after we has a baby... Oh, my God. I then don't I'll bother. I slap
0: the fuck out of that guy.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Mary. Keep I reading. wish we knew
1: his name I feel like he's another Mitch, the Mitch Mitch
0: The bitch
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my god I was of course Devastated But I thought he did So much for me To try and make me Feel protected at all times Or Make me feel protected All the time That over time I could forgive him And I did each time, he took a tiny piece of control away from my personal decisions. He would always present it as protecting me or loving me, and I so desperately wanted and needed to be loved that I never questioned it. The first time he hit me, I can't, I can't even remember the reason, but he seemed to be devastated by what he had done. He just sobbed into my arms, and he had obviously been damaged by the violence that he had experienced in the hands of his father as a child, and he didn't want to be that person. Then don't fucking do it. Exactly. God. We agreed that he would go to the doctor and ask for help. He went alone, telling me it was too painful to discuss in front of me. And he says he was afraid that they would stop him from being able to see the children. He told me that he had been assigned to anger management classes and given antidepressants. I didn't know that at the time, but it was all a lie. Supplies. Yeah, I wonder what sex worker was his Uh, doctor? Doctor. Finger quotes? Did she dress like a doctor? Did you call her Dr. Love? No. Fucker. From that point on, both the violence and the coercive control escalated. Um, I wanted to help him through it. I had been through so much trauma as a child that I understood how it could affect you as an adult. And I believed he had done so much to save me that the least I could do was stay by his side whilst he works through the damage caused by his own trauma. Soon I was a prisoner of my own home. I fell pregnant with our third, and he decided I should give up work because he didn't want me to miss out on being there for the children. He would remind me frequently about how my mother had been so uncaring and that we, that we didn't want that for our children. But he told me that going through his therapy had brought up all these feelings of abandonment, and he would, and he would want to know where I was and with whom at all times of the day I thought I was helping him. Throughout my third and final pregnancy he would regularly beat my arms and throttle me. Screaming and Holy shouting shit. Yeah. Screaming and shouting abuse at me, telling me I was a sociopath like my mother, and I kept trying to convince myself that this was the pain of his childhood coming out and it would all soon end.
0: Oh honey. Mm-hmm. Jesus fuck
1: no the final straw came when our third child arrived he was screaming at me again for my disgusting body telling me nobody could expect to want me to to want me looking the way i did and that he hated me
0: i'll fucking kill him
1: he went downstairs and came back up with a butcher's knife screaming about how he was going to kill me i clutched my 6 week old in my arms and begged begged him for the sake of the children to stop, but he wrenched my hair back and began to push the knife to my throat. At this exact moment, my eldest who was seven by now walked in and said, Daddy, please, please don't kill my mommy. He froze, he dropped the knife and walked out of the room and out of the house as quickly as I could throw together a bag of clothes for me and the children bundled them all in the car and drove to my dad's house i didn't speak at all for a week i just held my babies and wept he messaged me constantly sometimes begging me for, to forgive him other times calling me all the names he could conjure reiterating over and over that i was a sociopath just like my mother had been he showed up at my dad's who told him that i wasn't there and that he hadn't heard from me for, he hadn't heard from me for three months I lived in total fear that he would be waiting for me outside the house. I moved the children's schools and I involved authorities for the first time in our relationship.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: I had seen clearly in that moment when with the knife to my throat that he could have done anything to me, but he was hurting my children and that was it for me. <sighs> fuck with me. <laughs> but fuck with my kids? No. Nope. Nope. So many people only understood domestic violence as the physical, but for 10 years, he didn't lay one finger on me, but he controlled me completely. He had me believing it was for my own good. Even if I began to question it, he would gaslight me, making me believe it was me who was crazy, convincing me that I was the unsupportive wife that had taken in a that he had taken in a whore and a drug addict and he had loved me anyway telling me that i had let men take advantage of me from the age of 5 and all he was trying to do was protect me and i couldn't even be grateful for that i tell this story in the hope that other people who are in relationships where they have slowly allowed their partner to control every aspect of their existence will realize that a person doesn't need to lay a finger on you to be abusing you. If you recognize this in your own life, please reach out for help anywhere you can. I, in a happy ending, I am now, her happy ending makes me so happy. You'll see why. <laughs> <laughs> in a happy ending, I am now, through therapy and and love from family and friends, finally truly happy. I live alone with the children. I don't need a partner, although one day I may want one. But there is life after abuse, and there's hope after there is help. She's strong enough to know that she didn't have to go to another man to be happy. You still have me. The next story comes from Val, all the way from New Zealand. Some names were changed in the story. This is a case of mental abuse from her friend and I'm sure that many of you have been through it, just didn't really think of it that way. This is a bit of an unconventional abuse story and survivor story in that it doesn't involve family or a spouse. It involves a friend. I think it's important to highlight stories like this because before it happened to me, I didn't imagine that such things were possible. It's never never covered in the media, and even when I was going through this, so many people told me, that friend, friend abuse doesn't exist, and that I was just overblowing a situation. Anyway, on with the show. When I was 19, I got accepted into film school. It was there that I met Abby. Abby was there for art department, and I was there for editing. We clicked quickly, having the same taste in music and movies, and soon I started driving her home from school before heading home myself. To give you a better idea of distances, this is important later, Auckland, is that how we say it, Auckland Mm -hmm. Central, has a North Shore, accessible by the Harbor Bridge and the mainland area. I lived in the mainland suburbs, and Abby lived on the shore. Our school was on the shore as well. It took me about 30 to 45 minutes to drive to school every morning, depending on traffic. And Abby was about a 15-minute drive from school and an hour walk. She didn't drive. Our school program lasted a year, and it was incredibly full on. Everything was hands-on rather than theory, and we fell fully into the course, rarely seeing anyone outside of the school because we literally had no time. Our friend group within the school was our entire life for that year. It's like us with podcasting. Uh If you're not me or Angel, we're not going to see you. (laughs) After we graduated, I went on to work in the industry as a digitizer, the lowest rung in the editing ladder. And Abby took jobs here and there, being art department for music videos. We remained friends. We found our connection and our mutual misery when it came to the world. We didn't have what we wanted. We didn't like how our families treated us. We didn't have the jobs we desired, and we were depressed, clinically and medically diagnosed with both, yada yada. In short, we were sullen teenagers together, even as we entered our 20s. It was good to have someone to complain to and to relate to and someone to understand me. I've always been a shy kid, and the friends I did and do have came after a long time trying and held because I was loyal to a fault. When I love someone, I love them. That was the case with Abby. She became my best friend, my closest friend, my everything. I've had people, after all this was over, ask if I was in love with her. And I think, in a way, I was. We were never romantically or sexually involved, but we were very close and intimate, as friends are. We did everything together. We went on road trips and slept in a ca- on, and slept on the car. We had lunch together every day and even if I had to drive across town to see her, she would sit on my overnight shifts for digitizing and keeping me company. After a while, my mom started hinting to the fact that our relationship wasn't healthy. I didn't listen, of course, brushing her off as, my mom is annoying and she does what she does. And continued as I was, it's the only... Oh, and continued as I was. It's only later that I started to see that she was seeing the warning signs of abuse. Abby had always been prone to panic attacks and overreaction. About a year into our friendship, after film school, she started to call me to pick her up whenever she had one. I would get calls at 2 or 3 in the morning demanding I get her because she didn't feel safe. Remember the distances? I would drive half an hour to get her, then to McDonald's or Denny's, because they were the only places open in Auckland after 7 p.m., to comfort her. Sometimes I wouldn't even get home till 7 or 8 that morning. These calls got more and more frequent. She would ask me to stay the night. She wanted, me to, she wanted to stay the night at my house, even though my mom didn't approve. This is when I realized she started to isolate me. She would ingrain herself in my existing friend's grou- friend groups hang out together, and when we got home, would tell me that my friends didn't really like me, that someone was at, was acting stuck up, or that they didn't understand my feelings like she did. More and more of this happened. At the time, I was living with flatmates in a fairly odd house near the city, and I had started attending university there. Abby suggested that one of my flatmates and I move in with her and another person to a newer house, farther from the city but closer to where Abby and I worked. I had gotten her a position at my job. She was convincing enough that my flatmate and I agreed, and within a few weeks, four of us were settled in a tidy two-story house the, in the good part of the bad part of town. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know. The good part of the bad part. It's better than being in the bad part of the bad part. <laughs> That's no good. And things seemed to be going well after a while, but then took a very steep, very quick downward turn. Firstly, Abby convinced me to give up my larger bedroom for the tiny ones downstairs so she and another one of the flatmates could have more space in the house. No. Don't give up your big bedroom. No. No. I now lived alone downstairs with the other flatmates upstairs. When someone broke into our house, I was the only one they robbed. And I still can't sleep with my back to the door regardless of what room of the house I'm in. God. Nice going, Abby. Asshole. Asshole Abby. Asshole Abby. That's what we're going to call her. (laughs) Names have been changed to Asshole Abby. (laughs) God. After the break-in, I fell into a dark pit of depression and anxiety. I had PTSD from being woken up by the robber. I stopped sleeping. I stopped going to work. I wasn't going to university. Abby convinced my flatmates that I wasn't being social enough. So they took away my laptop and changed the Wi-Fi password to, quote, encourage me. What in the actual fuck? Uh, no. To communicate you fucking more. fucking do not. Take my laptop and, um, no. No? I would flip the fuck out if somebody did that. Like, oh, me no. Let me go ahead and change the fucking Wi-Fi password. Let me find my baseball bat so I can hit you in the fucking head. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> no. No. No, you don't. No. Um, they're trying to encourage her to communicate more. But if she's paying for part of that Wi-Fi, I would hope she'd be like, "I'm not paying this part of my rent, I'm bitches." Because you changed the password, I'm not using it. I started sleeping in the car more sp- and spending more time at my mom's house. Yeah, they've got her so fucked at this point. The car. Yeah. The car. The car. Okay. When you're paying for rent, you're sleeping in your car. Great. I knew knew in my gut that something was wrong, but like a lot of people in abusive situations, I didn't know how to leave. Our house was targeted by vandals a few more times. They took the battery out of my car, set our rubbish bins on fire, left rubbish on the property, etc. By this point, all of us had come to the conclusion that we wanted to move out because none of us felt safe. This started a huge battle with the landlord, And trying to break our lease early. I'll skip those dirty details, but in the end, we all did end up getting out and going our separate ways. I didn't talk to any of them for a few months. Then, a flatmate got in touch with me to talk over coffee and told me that Abby was not, quote, doing so good. And that since I was the closest to her, I owed it to her to hear her out. Right. Looking back now, this is where I needed one of you to pop up. This is where you come in. I needed one of you to pop up and scream. Listen, Fiergas, gas, what the fuck are you doing? Yes, you, that's where you needed to be. Oh, well. You need to be in New Zealand. God damn it. I'm not a very good. Sorry. No, no I, portholes. I, I... Not very good. No. <laughs> we we didn't get there in time, <laughs> considering it was a few years ago before we even knew Fergus. If you ever got... But even then, I'm not... <laughs> not good with this. Uh, anyway, she wanted you to yell that to prevent her from going back to Abby's orbit. <laughs> All right.
0: Can we not call it Abby's orbit? <laughs> <laughs> That's... <laughs>
1: sorry Val <laughs> and for the two of us to have to go be strong for somebody we're like oh no whatever you feel is right <laughs> we're we're strong but whatever you want to do <laughs> okay what, what do you need? Yeah, I, I don't know I can't do I, it I don't know <laughs> hmm. but go back I did and get pulled back in I did and within four months of this reconciliation Abby had convinced me to move in with her and her mother to another house She claimed that without a third person, they would never secure the property, and it wouldn't be safe for them to remain where they were, which was couch surfing in a rather affluent house, actually, and that I was their only hope. I believed them. I moved in with them. All in all, I was in that house for over a year. The entire time, asshole Abby was poisoning my brain with her lies. I added in the asshole part. She didn't. Fair no. enough. Yeah.
0: I like asshole Abby.
1: Yeah. I, I like calling her asshole no, Abby. I, th-
0: that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I like the oh. name asshole Abby. Yeesh.
1: Yeesh. That my family had hated me and I should never go back to them. That my friends were liars. That she was the only one who you loved me and understood did. me.
0: God, this sounds so fucking familiar. Uh,
1: that it does. I slept with my table pushed against my bedroom door because before I did, either she or her mother would open it to check on me for no reason. And it freaked me the fuck out. I felt unsafe in that house. I felt controlled. If we were having a movie night, I never got to choose the film. I never got to have a say in food. I couldn't even choose where I sat to watch a movie.
0: Jesus Christ. Like you're
1: paying a third of the rent and you don't get to choose where you're sitting. Bitch, I pay for this too. I will sit where the fuck I want. God. Um, small things, I know. But at this point, I was so conditioned They're by this. They're not small things, They're it's not. space. Yeah. She said she was so conditioned at this point of by this abuse that I just let it go and did it. I, I know how that... I know why. And I know how it goes. Because you're like, do I bring up a fight? Do I fight over this? What do, what do I do? How stupid do I look when I'm like, you won't even let me sit where I want to sit. Because it sounds stupid it's when you space. say it like that, but it's not. Like It's space. Yeah, and you're sharing it, you're, you're thirds. You've got it in thirds. Uh. You should all be able to have your say. And, uh. Eventually, things came to a head. I told them I wanted to move out, and they threw a fit. I was berated and screamed at for two hours about how I never did chores, how I slept all day. I worked another night shift at this point, so I had to sleep during the day. Apparently you don't need to sleep. You've got to stay awake and do your chores because sleeping during the day is unacceptable, okay?
0: I'm sorry. When I pay the fucking rent?
1: I sleep when the fuck I want. Thank you. Yeesh. How I didn't appreciate their cooking. My stomach reacted... I don't know. Do they
0: cook trash?
1: Sounds like it because I said my stomach reacted badly to it and I would get sick so I made my own food why what's wrong with that who gives a fuck do we all have to like shit at the same time too do we have to wipe in the same way and you have to hold hands while you do it god (laughs) i didn't and how i didn't appreciate everything they were doing for me abby
0: i'm sorry what? what what were they doing that was so magnificent
1: i that's what i'm wondering like did they shit golden eggs i don't know Glitter. 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 Glitter everywhere. Abby started at me with tears in her eyes and asked if I didn't love her enough to change for her. Oh,
0: my God.
1: I told her I didn't. Good, Good. for you. Go, oh. Go
0: fuck off with that shit. Yeah. Do you not love me enough?
1: No, I don't love you enough to have you dictate what the fuck I do when I'm a 20-something-year-old female that pays my portion of the rent. No.
0: What kind of friend says that?
1: I don't know. Could you imagine? Could you? Could you?
0: Could you imagine? Yes, I could.
1: No. You could.
0: Oh, well alright. We're not gonna get into that.
1: But we could. But we could. I gave them official notice that I was moving out in four weeks. They ripped it up. I asked her they ripped up her notice. Who does that? Can't <laughs> want her to leave? I read right children yeah i asked to come in and pack my things and and was told
0: she, i'm sorry she asked to come yeah, in and pack her shit
1: they they told her they didn't trust her with their things because she was pretty even she was petty and vindictive and they worried i would vandalize their things. listen
0: asshole abby
1: asshole abby i just want my shit back the fuck off
0: she can go straight to hell
1: yeah and they lock her out of her house with her own shit like no no. They changed the locks oh, this on me. Really
0: does sound familiar?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they changed the locks on me, so I couldn't come in without knocking. They claimed that they would pack my things for me and didn't let me um, go into the house again. No, bitch. No, you fucking don't. So they don't want uh, her uh, to come in and pack I'm her sorry, things. I just thug clapped you. No, oh, you're I'm fine. I'm not even mad at you. Oh, I know. Well, I'm like I'm looking are at you are like you I'm fucking pissed. Kidding? I've got my hair all <laughs> up and over, and I'm like. Are you serious? We're doing it- yes.
0: Oh, my hair's yeah. back in piggies. But
1: she can't even, she can't go into the, they're afraid she'll vandalize their stuff, but they're going to pack her stuff? Fucking uh, no. No, you fucking don't. Touch my shit. Ooh, bitch. I dare you to touch my shit. Ugh. Don't touch my shit.
0: Don't touch my shit.
1: You can touch my literal shit all you want, but don't <laughs> touch my stuff. <laughs> Make sure it's out my ass before you touch it. What are they going to fucking do? I don't know. And what was she going to do that's so horrible? Just let me get my shit and get out. Come on. I don't know. All in all, I was in this abuse cycle for four years before I finally managed. Oh, my managed, God. Yeah. Bow. To extricate myself. Well, they get in your fucking head. They get I in know, your I know. Val,
0: just come to my house.
1: Come to my house. You can eat what you want. Angel makes ready to make food. You just, like, if you think you're hungry, she'll get it and be like, what you want? <laughs> Are you true. hungry? I the other day, I didn't know I was hungry until she was like, what you want? You want a bagel sandwich? I'm like,
0: I, yeah. You know what? I do want a bagel sandwich. Like, I was
1: going to say, no, I'm fine. And then you said bagel <laughs> sandwich. And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I still feel the effects of it in my day-to-day life. It took me over five years oh my God. after this to realize that I had been abused and that I hadn't been overreacting. I had tried to talk to our mutual friends when I was in the midst of it, but their response was that Abby the asshole was so lovely and surely she couldn't mean, mean me harm took me five years to realize that she was feeding them elegant lies to make me out to be crazy or unhinged or in need of care. It took me five years to feel even a little bit like a human again. So if you're ever feeling upset about how you feel, five years. It's going to take a minute. I wanted you guys to hear the story in case something similar happens or is happening to your listeners. Friend abuse exists. It fucking does. It really does. It is very real and it is tragic that so many people report it, or that so few people report it and try to get help. I didn't know I was being abused because I thought friends couldn't abuse friends. We weren't in a relationship, we weren't in a relationship, so surely she wasn't abusing me. Yeah, you are. A friendship is a relationship of sorts. And yes, it can be abuse. But she was. She was, and she did it systematically for four years, and my suffering was legitimate. Yes, it fucking was. Yes. It very much was. Yes, it
0: was.
1: I've since moved on and haven't seen or heard from Abby Asshole since I ran, ran asshole from- Asshole Abby. Asshole God, Abby. Sorry. Get it right. Fuck. <laughs> uh, asshole Abby since I ran from their home. But I still- I still worry that I will run into her in the city or attend a movie that she will be at or a fan convention. When I think about her, I feel ill, but I survived. I am here. Thank you both for all you do for the community you've created. Aww. Aww. That gets me every time. I know. Oh, my God. God damn. (laughs) For your openness, for your kindness. She's eating goldfish. I know. She's eating goldfish, and I'm, like, about ready to cry again. (laughs) Jesus Christ. For your kindness and your amazing sense of humor— So much love, so much love, you're away from Kiwiland. Hmm. Hmm. Today is the day, today is the day that you people finally um... broke me. Our next story comes from one of our listeners that I absolutely love, but she wanted to stay anonymous, so I'm going to call her Lala. I feel like that's an amazing name. How about you? Lala. Can we call her Lilo? Lilo. Lilo. Lilo or Lala? Lala. One of them. That's what we're going to call you. Lala.
0: When
1: I, when I was six years old, my mom and I moved to Oklahoma. We moved to a community just outside of Taliqua, I think is how you say it.
0: Point I don't know what the fuck that
1: is. Talica. I don't know how you say it. Oklahoma. I didn't understand <laughs> then, but I do now that this place was a compound and these people were a cult. Oh. <gasps> When I was talking to her today, she gave me the name of the cult. Let me look it up. Are you serious? hmm Holy shit. It is... It's called the Sparrowhawk Village. Are you fucking kidding me? Dead oh my serious. God. Okay. Yeah. They were always very controlling of the children and young adults. She worked evenings. The leader of the, quote, church... Whose name was Joseph would watch all of the small children while the parents that were away. Red alert! Red alert! Mm-hmm. It started small, like he would have a sit on his lap. He would tickle me, <gasps> and of course I would giggle. I never really, I never realized, because I was six, that this was sexual. One night, my mom had to work a double shift and wouldn't be back until after midnight, so I stayed at his house. When it got late he told me it was time to take a bath and get ready for bed. He drew me a bath and he undressed me and helped me into a tub and began to wash my back. He Stopper. started Yeah. He started washing my chest and then put his hand in the water and started touching me and tried to put a finger inside me. Oh my fucking god. Mm-hmm. I right. started to cry and he got mad and drained the bathtub. He told me if I didn't stop being bad he would tell my mom. That night my mom came and got me because she got off early. I told her what had happened and she confronted him the next day. She threatened to go to the police. Unfortunately, he unfortunately she didn't. And that wasn't until years later that I understood um it wasn't until years later that I understood that because of this we were forced to leave it was a good thing but i didn't understand mom has some friends in town and we stayed with them until we could get a place fast forward two years i'm eight and we're still in taliqua talika i don't know I sorry don't know. We're, we are good at fucking names up that's what we do my mom started seeing this much younger man named brian he was 19 and she was in her early thirties. What the
0: fuck are you doing, mom?
1: I don't know. Like,
0: you're raising a fucking other child? Okay. All yeah. Right. Sorry.
1: He eventually moved in and he was great. He treated her good and he paid the bills and everything was great until he started molesting me. Mm-hmm. Can we fucking not? I know. This is so, this makes God it, damn it so scary for single moms. I mean, we've talked about it before. There's the guys that look for single moms to marry them just to molest their children. It's scary. On my ninth birthday, my mom had to work a night shift, and my brother had been in trouble, and he was institutionalized, so it was just us. We were watching The X-Files, and he pulled me closer to him on the couch. I didn't think anything of it when he kissed my cheek. Because like I do that with my kids, cuddle in with me and I kiss your cheek, you know, I cuddle with my little boy, even though he doesn't want me to, but don't think anything of it.
0: Yeah, but but you're his mother. Yeah.
1: But from there he started rubbing my vagina. I told him to stop and I got mad. He pushed me on the floor, he held me oh. down and raped me on the <gasps> cold tile. He made me swallow his semen. At nine. Oh my.
0: God,
1: all right. He made me believe this was my fault. I had a bruise on my cheek and bruises on my wrist from him holding me. From, at nine. Yeah, at nine. From him holding them above my head. I told my mom I fell outside, and I don't know at this point that she believed me or what, but she never brought it up again. Uh, what the fuck? Sorry, I just fumbled all over those words because I couldn't. No, you're fine. This continued for about six months, and he would tell me that I was his soulmate. But my mom couldn't know because it would hurt her. Remember, I remember She's
0: goddamn nine.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember right. him saying, "You wouldn't want to hurt your mom, would you?" Eventually, I couldn't keep the secret anymore, and I told my mom. And she tried to press charges, but there was no actual proof, other than that I didn't have a hymen.
0: Okay, before I throw up on myself.
1: Yeah, you've
0: got to be fucking kidding me.
1: I know. There's no proof. You have a child, a nine-year-old here saying she's been raped.
0: Hey, you don't have a hymen.
1: But that's the only proof, and that I mean, some people don't have them.
0: Dude, I could have lost my hymen riding a horse.
1: But look, it gets better. But I was in gymnastics, so that was fairly common. All they would do is give her a restraining order, so we packed our bags and moved to Arizona. We had been back in Arizona for three years, and I was almost 13, I think. I rode my bike to Whataburger, and, which was only a couple blocks from my house. I was... Um, p- brace yourself. You, oh, no, you brace. I was you You like, got Whoa. hungry? I did. Yeah, I did that earlier when I saw it, too. I was pushing my bike across the lot, and as I was passing a brown truck, I heard his voice. It was Brian, he said, and I remember it clearly You're filling out quite nicely, my little girl. So he was in Oklahoma, and he's gone to Arizona.
0: That was. That made me not want that. I'm sorry.
1: That was strange. I lost my place cuz that He told creeps a little me little cool she
0: was filling out nicely? He had
1: followed them from Oklahoma to Arizona. So Sorry. can you imagine her Can you imagine her surprise when she sees him there? She thinks she's safe in Arizona and she hears him,
0: "You're filling out nicely?" Mm-hmm. Are you f-
1: I dropped my bike and ran back inside. I called my mom, and she came with police not far behind. They did eventually find him, and he was put in jail. I didn't feel safe there, obviously, and even though I was in therapy, it wasn't helping. My mom decided to send me to live in Arkansas with my dad when I was 14. She thought a new start would be good for me. I resented her. I felt like she didn't want me anymore. I didn't understand why this was my fault, and... And I was being sent away, even though that wasn't the case at all. Like, she felt like her mom was sending her away because it was her fault. But she was really just trying to protect her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 16. I was quiet and reserved, but I still like to hang out with friends. I was known as a prude because sexual anything was horrifying to me. Rightfully so. Fuck. Oh,
0: oh. Jesus Christ. Why would that be weird to you? Yeah.
1: God. And no one knew the truth of what had yeah. happened to me. I started seeing a boy named Joey. He was tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. Went to a big high school, and I went to a small high school. He drove a Mustang, and I felt so lucky. We stayed out past curfew, and I had to get home ASAP. I convinced him to leave his friends and take me home. He had been smoking weed with his friends and didn't want to leave, but he did. My dad's house is in the middle of nowhere, and it takes a while to get there. We pulled up to the gate at the top of the hill, and he shut off the car and, and the lights. He started asking me questions like, why don't I do things that other girls do? Why don't I let him touch me the way other guys get touched by their girlfriends? Or by the, why don't I let him touch me the way the other guys get to, get to touch their girlfriends? Sorry, I couldn't get that out. Why am I such a prude? I told him I needed to leave and I tried to open the door and get out. He pulled me back into the car and pulled the lever to lay the seat back. Uh-huh. He pulled my shorts to the side. I don't know why, but that is the most violating thought to me. I hate that. You and me both. I hate that thought. You know exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. I still remember them. Light blue Jordache with a bright blue stripe on the sides. That made me fucking sick. Yeah. He tore my panties. He forced himself inside me. He told me he wouldn't go all the way. He kept thanking me for allowing him to do this, but really I was pinned in a piece of shit Mustang. Having a man bigger than me forced himself upon me again. Thank you? Yeah, who says thank you? All right. When he was done, he wiped himself off on my jacket and told me he would call me tomorrow, which he did. He called and broke up with me the next day. He said he could tell that I wasn't a virgin, and I must be a slut. All I could do was thank God it's over. Oh my God! I didn't tell anyone that until just now. But fast forward to seventeen, I had gotten pregnant at seventeen, and he was a total pos. But at least he didn't rape me. Don't ever say that, Lala. God damn it! At least, or no, sorry. I'm gonna cry. I'm getting upset that she says that. We love you. Don't ever think of yourself that way. He just cheated all the time. I had a girl tell me at a gas station she didn't appreci- appreciate some fat chick fucking her boyfriend. I was seven months pregnant. We got married not long after he was born. So apparently he had a girlfriend on the side that didn't appreciate oh, good. him fucking <clears throat> his pregnant wife. <clears throat> then came baby number two. Then came him leaving me and using his trust fund to take the kids from me. He has full custody. I have visitation because he's, quote, a nice guy. So between between 21 and 25, I got into drugs, hard and fast. I started dating this guy named James. James had all the good drugs. James also would get spun and beat me with a belt. At one point, I told him I didn't want to go out, and he locked me in a closet. He called his friends to come over, and they shot me up with heroin.
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah,
1: I was so high. They caught they all took turns raping me. Five of them.
0: Jesus. Fuck, are you kidding me? Mm-mm.
1: When they were done, James shoved me outside naked and made me sleep outside. It was October. A good friend of mine helped me get out and get sober. I got it together and got my CNA license got my own place, and met AJ in in 2013. He was so hot. He was an assistant pastor, and he was freshly sober. We dated till May of 2014 and got married. Sorry, paper noises. Then it came out that he had been cheating, off and on with many girls. I had gotten chlamydia, and that's how I found out. I believed in the life I was told jesus had given me and i stood by my husband and the affairs kept coming in 2015 he started acting weird like off the wall weird come to find out he was on meth and sleeping with a girl from work i pulled her out of her car and kicked her ginger ass good job kick his ass too next time she is a skank box he promised to stop and to get sober. In November 15, he got high again and got mad over God knows what, and he hit me with the phone, with the cord to his phone. Can you imagine? Ow. Oh, my ow. Like being whipped? Yeah.
0: Yeah, fuck that.
1: It left huge welts on my back. The abuse didn't stop after that. It actually got worse. He blamed his anxiety and depression on me. In March 11th of 2016, I found out from his ex-wife that he had been talking to her about getting back together. Oh, really? She sent me screenshots. I'd had enough. I told him I was done. I was filing for divorce. He begged. I refused to listen. The next morning, he left, and I didn't see him again. Two days later, on March 13th, 2016, he hung himself in the nearby woods. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I feel like if he hadn't committed suicide, it would still be a cycle of me, it still be a cycle of him abusing me, and it wouldn't have ended. This is my story. I'm sure I've left parts out. I'm sure I could have added more detail, but I'd rather not. As you can imagine, I suffer from, I suffer long term effects from all the trauma. I have anxiety,
0: gracious, fucking PTSD.
1: She does. That's. I have anxiety, clinical depression, and PTSD. I'm a loner. I struggle daily with self self worth. I don't ever feel people accept me, and I often feel like I say the wrong things. I'm now seeing a great guy. He's not violent. He has no drug history or violent past. He doesn't know my past. Just knows that I have issues. He accept me accepts me and is patient. Though I don't understand how he does it. I. Just know he does. And thank you for giving me the platform to tell my story. I appreciate the ability to do it and to have so many that know where I am coming from. I am a survivor, and every day I choose to survive. My new story isn't over yet. We love you, Lala. I, I like this not only to, to send out awareness to people... But this is healing for the people who are telling their stories. Like Kay in our one story with Mitch the bitch. She got a lot of healing out of hearing her story and the support from Listening our group. to
0: mm-hmm. talk about how she feels about it now.
1: Yeah. Pretty incredible. Well, and how she was said she was expecting to go on to um, the Facebook page and get put down like she usually did. There was a group of everybody there to lift her up. And to be there for her, and I love all of you guys. I love all of our listeners, clearly, but the ones, the all of you that are in our group that are there for each other and lifting each other up, and that are there for those who need it, you guys are badass. If we've done nothing else with this podcast, we've done at least that, and it's amazing. It feels good. At the end
0: of the day, I don't give a shit about. Anything but the people that we've helped mm-hmm. and the friends we've made.
1: Yeah. And we've done right? a lot of both of that, I yeah. think. Because just letting yeah. somebody tell like, their look story. At,
0: look at all our friends. Yeah. And, and and the stories that people have told. Yeah. Like, at, at the end of the day, like, I can't be mad at that.
1: No. Our last story is a little different than the others. It's from our friend Sarah, and I can't say her last name, so I'm not gonna try. She said we could use it, but it's no Briga, no Briga, no Broja, no Braga, no bro I don't know. Sarah. No-brega. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> we're just gonna call her Sarah. Sarah. Because <laughs> we're Sarah fuckwits. No-brega. We're fuckwits that can't say last names. <laughs> well, I am. She wanted to talk about non-combat PTSD. It says, "Hey loves, for the longest time I have teetered on the premise that my story may not be worth telling, but if it helps one person to hear it then it's absolutely worth it. I'm like most of your fans, I am a person that had a that has been pretty terribly hurt by someone else and find comfort in dark humor and overly inappropriate things. Cheers." Hearing the stories of domestic violence ring true as I am a survivor of rape, physical assault, and mental abuse. I grew up in a crazy home with my brother being my protector from the wrath of our dad. I was date-raped by a boyfriend in high school. I have been told constantly growing up by the people I cared about that I was too stupid or unworthy of things I wanted to pursue. All of those things have gone through... Sorry... All of those things I have gone through could not have prepared me for the event I experienced at the hands of medical professionals. Oh, God. Yeah, this one is... All right, well, let me get some
0: goldfish.
1: Get your your comfort goldfish. If you hear crunching, it's Angel's comfort food. I met my husband in December of 2007. We were married by June of 2008. It was a whirlwind romance, and every day I grow to love him more. Everything changed the day I met him. He is and always will be my better half. He has supported me through everything, and I owe him so much of my healing and mental health. Sorry. I owe so much of my healing and mental health to his patience and kindness. We had our first son in 2010, followed by a second son New Year's Eve 2011. I was pregnant with our third son when we received orders to Germany because her husband's in the military. Uh To say this move was stressful is an understatement. We moved across the world when I was 28 weeks pregnant with a 3-year-old and an 18-month-old. I can't even imagine moving down the street Jesus with that. <laughs> God. I didn't know anyone. I felt inc- incredibly secluded and began, experience con- sorry, and began experiencing contractions <laughs> at 31 weeks. I had early labor with both of my previous pregnancies, so this was something I was used to, but again, I didn't know anyone, so I had to take my children with me to the ER and wait for the doctors to give me the meds to stop the labor. This happened several times over the next few months. Also, with those few months, I never saw the same doctor twice. I had a mid- midwife with my first two and had successful medica- medicated births with, with them. It's over... Oh, wow. Words. But overseas and it's entirely different experience. I don't remember many of the doctors except for one, Dr. B. I remember calling my husband after an appointment and telling him that whatever happens, I did not want Dr. B delivering our son. Fun side story. My stepdad's Dr. B, delivered all, Dr. B. Yeah, delivered all of my babies and he's an amazing doctor. It's weird for me to say Dr. B is a uh, shitty doctor. Do- well, I know, right?
0: <laughs> Dr. B took care of us I know. my husband.
1: He's taken care of all of us. He's amazing. He treated me like I was cattle and that my other children were an issue. He mentioned that the good parents found childcare for their appointments. Dude, I have, Are I Are fucking
0: kidding me? Yeah. Right? I
1: live with family. I live near family and there's times that I take my children to my appointments because there's no other option.
0: It,
1: it, and uh, living. Why should it be? Yeah. And moms have babies. Yeah. People have God. children. I let him know we're a brand new and I didn't trust anyone to watch my children and he scoffed. He did a rough and quick examination, asked if I had any concerns and I mentioned my labor having to be stopped. He responded to that to that some people can tolerate pain. <laughs> he responded to that some people can tolerate pain well and suggested that I toughen up. Have you ever been in labor, Dr. B? Go fuck yourself.
0: I have not. I have never been in labor. So you would
1: never I- tell someone in labor to toughen up? No. And neither never. should he. You can learn about it all you want, but until you felt it, you have no idea what it feels like.
0: Let's slap this fucker in the face.
1: Exactly. Fast forward a few more weeks, I was in active labor at home, and the government shutdown had just taken effect. I Skyped with my mother, asked some people that we barely knew to watch the kids, and then my husband and I went to the hospital. The timeline here will start to get a little bit fuzzy because I was in labor. (laughs) You can't remember everything in labor? Come on. Just kidding. Nope, <laughs> like, I
0: can't remember everything when I have fucking breakfast.
1: I know. I can't remember on a regular day when I'm not on Can pain I? pills. Yeah. Yeah. Back labor, because the baby was posterior, like my other two were. And labor is no joke. Um, in the back here. then oh. It's not so much in the front. Sorry, your labor is in know. your back. You're fine.
0: Dude, I, I've never had babies. I
1: don't know. <laughs> And from everything I have heard from medical professionals, back labor is worse. I've heard the same thing. My husband and I showed up to the hospital around, showed up to the hospital and I am four centimeters dilated. The hospital is about half staff.
0: How are you supposed to, um, what is the centimeters that you're supposed to be? Ten. Oh, Oh shit. Okay.
1: But some people, well, you'll see here in just a minute, like I went from five to ten like that but we'll we'll go but on when with you make Babies,
0: like when you have a baby it's supposed to be ten
1: mm-hmm. that means you're complete the hospital is about half staff because civilians weren't getting paid due to the shutdown and they weren't returning until they were some of the german workers were there and a few active duty nurses were there but they were running at minimum staff they saw me and told me to go home i told them no my last two deliveries i went from a four to a ten in a matter of minutes for those that don't know, a 10 is when you're ready to deliver.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Me? She, I don't know. I've she, never made a baby. She's got you covered. My body liked to stay at a four until the last second and then would suddenly be ready to deliver. Since I had experienced this twice already, I figured I knew my body better than these people who had never seen me before. And it was also half an hour drive to the hospital. So I mean, by the time she drove wrong. home and drove back, she'd be yeah, I mean, holding the baby on her wrong. lap. Yeah. At this point, I ran into the mid- one of the midwives that I had seen before, and she took one look at me and got me a room. She checked me, and at that point, I was at a five. IV was administered, in- and pain meds were also administered via IV. They were trying to locate the, an- the anesthetist. I was laboring on a ball when a lady anesthetist came in and explained the procedure for an epidural. Laboring on a ball means an exercise ball. You're like oh, sitting okay. on it. Yeah, I think that's what you mean, Sarah. I was like,
0: "Fuck, I don't know, I don't man." Know what I this keep mean. looking at you
1: for answers. <laughs> I'll give you I the don't answers. know. I told her this is my third rodeo, and yes, please to all the drugs because IV drugs last about five minutes and relax you, but don't actually stop any pain. She disappears, and then about an hour later, another anesthetist comes in. It's a male. This time, he starts explaining the process, and my husband was like, Yeah, we know. The other lady came in and told us. He disappears. Comes back with his tray of equipment. I get up on the bed in full labor. I tried so hard to sit still through the contractions, which were three minutes apart. And as... Oh, my God. That's where they're supposed to be.
0: That seems fast. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I
1: don't know. That's what they're supposed to be when you're in labor. And they lasted about a minute and a half at this point. I was exhausted. He attempted five times to give me an epidural. Five. In between his fourth and fifth attempt, a nurse nurse got in my face and told me to stop crying. Otherwise, they would just let me labor. She slapped that bitch in the fucking face? (laughs) She got closer and said, you don't want to do this without meds, right? Then quit moving and let him do his job. Okay. okay.
0: All right. Just we're, we're, let's take a minute and talk about how I can't even handle fucking tooth pain.
1: Well, just so everybody knows, when you're having a contraction, it's kind of an involuntary contraction of your whole body. So your whole stomach is hardening up. So do we you're gonna her move. In the fucking face. Yes. Okay. You're gonna move a little bit. I had the same, almost the same thing, but my butt was uneven. They tried seven times. There was blood everywhere and then once they realized my butt was uneven, they evened it up and got it right in but that's i mean it's hard to hold still when you're having contractions and they're can you, you know.
0: not say things like my butt was uneven? even it was,
1: was it was my mom walked oh in my mom who was a labor and delivery nurse walked in and her face went <gasps> she's like are you okay i'm like i'm fine like that doesn't bother me because they had it numbed up. It was just like my epidural in my neck. They have it numbed up. So you can't really feel you can't anything. see things
0: like that to me. It's not normal.
1: It is. It's not. It is. I don't like it. On his fifth attempt, he got in line and they started the meds. Or he got the line in and they started the meds. That means that they got the epidural in and yes. the catheter and everything. And that's when I told them I couldn't breathe. Turns out he had hit the dural space in my lungs and they were slowly becoming inadequate at breathing. They stopped all the medicine. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. They stopped all the medicine and sat me up and put me on oxygen. At this point, the labor pains were coming back harder and faster. I just assumed I was going to have to deliver without the medicines and call it a day. I was grasping at this reality and the the, the bed rails when who should walk in but Dr. B. Not good Dr. B. Bad Dr. B in Germany. What's funny is my Dr. B is Dr. Breitenbach, which is German because he's German. Hopefully he's he's not really in German and he delivers good babies. My husband looked at me, the exhausted train wreck on the bed, and assured me that everything was going to be okay. Doctor B came in and, while putting gloves on, mentioned that he heard that I had a hard time sitting still for the anesthetist, who was most like, <laughs> so it was most likely my fault that procedure oh, didn't work correctly. Yeah, her fault. Yeah, because yeah. they're not trained yeah, for people in labor.
0: Because women don't wiggle when their fucking bellies are contracting.
1: Even if you're trying not to, you wiggle. Like it just—it happens. You can't not. Fucker. He then, without warning, checked me.
0: What does that mean? That
1: means he shoved his hand in her hoo-ha without letting her know uh, that it was going in.
0: Uh, the whole. Th- and that's whole alarming.
1: Whole thing? Oh yeah. Oh. Okay. Let so me explain I don't, to I don't, you. I just- when they check you they it looks like they're putting their whole arm up in your business cuz not only do you have to dilate you the have to second. soften your cervix has to soften so you go it's a percentage so it goes thick to thin so that the baby can push out
0: okay the uh i i okay
1: so when your cervix the whole hand oh yeah when your cervix is um still I'm <laughs> when your cervix is thick, they have to jam all the way up in there, and it's oh my not God, okay. Are you fucking yeah. serious? That's like one of the worst parts for me about having a baby is getting checked, and it hurts like a bitch. <laughs> so he does it without warning her that he's going in.
0: They stick their whole fucking hand up there.
1: Uh huh.
0: Fiergas. Oh
1: yeah. Are you- I'm why you want a nurse with dainty hands? I'm a fool. Okay, so after he checked her without warning her, he said, You're a nine. I'm going to break your water and speed things along. What does that mean? He's going to break her water. I don't know what that means. She's at nine centimeters. If you ever say you're at whatever, that's how many centimeters you're at.
0: Okay, but what does break the water mean? I
1: don't know what this means. Break the water. You know what that means. We've been through a couple births together. There's amniotic Uh, fluid around the the baby, and it's in a sack. And sometimes the water breaks naturally and sometimes it doesn't so they take a crochet hook hook it up there poke the bag and the water comes rushing out
0: i've never seen that happen
1: and that has to happen before no baby comes not out with
0: you not with ember well you nobody. didn't go
1: in with me we didn't watch it with ember no well it was already done by the time i got there with chad so i don't know if you saw it i did not or if hers broke on her own i don't know
0: i am not 100 percent sure
1: Anyway, he said, "You're a knight. I'm going to break your water and speed this along." And before I could pro- protest or say anything, he broke my water. That's when everything that could go wrong did. A nurse ran out and shouted, "Or nurse ran out and shouted, prep and OR." My husband yelled, "What's happening?" Doctor B responded, "Her cord prolapsed." I yelled, "Please, please, it's going to say it, please, please. I don't." Or please don't, I don't want this. Dr. B fired back, it doesn't matter what you want now, we have to get this baby. The nurse that ran out came back in and shoved her hand in my vagina. They were already wheeling me out when I turned to my husband and screamed that I loved him. I was in a full-blown panic. Cord prolapse means that once the cord touches the air, the, no, the baby no longer receives oxygen, and he needed to come out immediately. They wheeled me to the OR, and the nurse with her hand inside me looked at me and said, It's okay. I feel a heartbeat. It's okay. They draped my body, and I felt them rubbing my stomach with the betadine. Another woman got in my face and said, Don't worry. I'm going to save your baby. And then they cut me. I screamed in agony. Oh, shit. I wasn't numb. Because, they remember, they stopped the medicine because they'd put it in the wrong spot. I heard someone yell, Damn it. She isn't sedated yet. And that was it. Blackness. I woke up in ICU. I didn't have my glasses on, but I looked down and I was able to see my flat belly. I tried to sit up and I was in agonizing pain, searching for someone. A nurse came in. Where's my baby? I cried. She paused and and said, I think it's best if we wait for your husband. I found my glasses on the side table and started yelling for him. He came in and that's the first time I saw him. Our third son. My husband had snapped a picture of him while they were rushing him to the NICU. He looked perfect, except for being hooked up to every machine possible. I asked if my husband, or I asked my husband if he was okay. He replied he wasn't, but that everything was going to be okay, and they couldn't get our baby to breathe well. We had a few moments together, and then he walked in. Doctor Fucking B. I stitch you up nice and tight in case you want more children. Because oh, if, if you Are have you serious? a C-section wrong, a lot of times you can't, like it ruins your uterus and so you can't have another baby. So he just wanted to let her know. Uh, she said, I just laid there in a gasp. Thanks, but let's see if this one makes it first, I responded. Damn. That's fucking dirty. You'll be able to see him once you're able to walk. We want to make sure there is no permanent damage. I had to get in quick, you know. Good luck. And then he left. They moved what a me. Fucking butthole. I right know. They moved me to a mother baby unit within I'm the hour. Fucking dumbfounded. Yeah, this gets me. They moved me to a mother baby unit within the hour. I wanted to see our baby. Wanted to touch him. Wanted to let him know that he was so loved. The nurses at the mother-baby unit were amazing. They kept suggesting that I rest and get some sleep, but I couldn't. I had to see him. Finally, my nurse said, come on, let's get you cleaned up and go meet your son. I had difficulties moving my legs as I had no abdominal muscles to speak of. She and my husband helped me into a wheelchair and wheeled me up to NICU. Nikki was fairly full of babies, two and three pound babies, and there was my boy, all eight pounds and 15 ounces of him. That's funny. That's a big fucking baby. My third was 813. I, I don't make babies, so. I make giant babies like Sarah, apparently. Three nurses were around him, and so was every possible machine trying to keep him alive. A short, round woman came up to me and said, I told you I would save your baby and smiled at me. My husband said that's when she told me of everything that happened to our son, the procedures they were doing to him, but I didn't hear a word. Apparently, after the cord prolapsed, he went into distress and had his first bell movement. He then tried to take his first breath, so he, he inhaled meconium, 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 which is their first poo, for mm-hmm. those that don't know, and whatever was left in the of the amniotic fluid. He was born blue, with no pulse or respirations. I received the medical notes a few weeks later on what happened, and I read them over and over and over to try to make sense of what took place. I still haven't made sense of it, and I don't think I ever will. A few days later, I was also in trouble as I had a uterine infection and refused to, to sleep. I was afraid to sleep. I was afraid I would never wake up. I was afraid if I was away from him somehow, I would miss it if something happened to him, and a nurse entered my room one day. That's when she mentioned, it might be good to name him. It's better for the grieving process. Who the fuck says that? This nurse. They still couldn't get his O2 stats above 70. I didn't want to leave his side. The only time I would start falling asleep is when my hand was on him and I could feel him struggle to breathe. I was willing him to live. Before we had him, we had a few names picked out, but we agreed to name him John. My husband liked biblical names, and I like presidential names. It was a good compromise. Every time I shut my eyes, I felt the indescribable pain in my pelvis. I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to eat. It wasn't until I held John and nursed him that I felt like I had gained back a little piece of me. Nurses told me that I needed to take care of myself so I could take care of him. I faked sleeping in order to go visit John. His O2 stats went up, one, went up, and one day a NICU nurse came and informed me that he was out of the woods. But I still couldn't sleep. Doctor B's words echoed constantly in my mind, and Can the loss. Me, that it's Dr. B. Uh, me too. I can't get past it. Oh. Um, and the loss of control and power I once had seemed to be forever gone. We went home, and I could still barely walk, and I was instructed to hold the baby and nothing heavier. My other two boys still struggled to understand what was happening with Mommy, and I struggled to exist. I began exhibiting uncontrollable fears and flashbacks. I had nightmares daily. I would refuse to sleep, and I went to my six-part... I went to my six-week postpartum appointment and called to the doctor and she shrugged it off as typical mother anxiety. Right.
0: What a shithole piece uh, of
1: that. I know. Okay. Alright. Fuck. I, it wasn't until months later that I was in a vehicle waiting to get in line on base that I knew I needed help. I was... It was taking longer than usual for them to check IDs and I thought for sure that me and all three of my children were going to die. They there was going to be a shooting or an explosion and we were all going to die. Oh
0: my God, that's a, that's a fucking irrational fear. But Jesus. Yeah. How scary. Yeah.
1: Fuck. At home, I slept in 45 minute increments and refused to let any of my children out of my sight. I became hyper vigilant in every sense of the word. I needed help. I actually delivered John in a military hospital, the same hospital where soldiers are soldiers are sent to be stabilized before being flown back to the US. The same place where people are people have experienced war and everything that encompasses. I refused the diagnosis of PTSD the first the first time someone mentioned it. That's for people who are warriors, I said incredulously. The more I researched, the more I accepted that 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 was the case indeed. PTSD is not just for soldiers. It affects, it affected every person regardless of age, gender, or race. My husband struggles with issues regarding that day. There's an unspoken bond between him and John. I take daily meds as well as having meds in case of anxiety attacks or flashbacks. It's been four and a half years and it has gotten easier to talk about but I can't smell isopropyl alcohol without panicking. I can't enter a hospital without my pulse spiking. And I have difficulties functioning with day-to-day things that others might, might deem silly. Despite everything that happened, I have a gorgeous family and a good life. And a partner that does love me regardless of my mental idiosyncrasies. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to not be okay. <sighs> that one, oh God, being just recently in a hospital, luckily I had amazing care in the hospital. But could you imagine when those people are who are supposed to keep you safe and who are supposed to take don't care of shit. you are just like, well, you know, brushing you off and like whatever and just cut into you when you're not even numb They don't even make sure fu- No no. Anyway, we want to thank all of our survivors for sharing their stories you guys are all badasses. and
0: if you suspect child abuse please do us all a favor and um go to childhelp.org
1: there's a place on there that you can donate to and there's plenty of other places these are just the ones that i looked up there's tons of them
0: but yes go there if you or someone you are uh, someone you know is experiencing domestic violence Go to thehotline.org or 1-800-799-7233 and please report that shit.
1: Yes. If you need to talk to someone about sexual abuse, go to safehelpline.org. Call 877-995-5247. They have on the website a live chat as well. So if you need to talk to somebody but you don't want to call because you're like me and you don't like speaking to people. Or if you want to do it like in private, where you don't want other people to hear you, you can you can do that. And there are many others you can Google for whatever. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it quiet. Don't live in misery. You don't deserve what you got. Don't ever think that way. Anyway, should we plug some bath bombs?
0: Um, maybe some bath bombs. Go to thepurplelotus.com. No, purplelotusonline.com and go check out our online. Selection.
1: Online selection of of bath. signature
0: <laughs> bath booms.
1: And on the bath bombs, you can get 15% off if you, if you use,
0: use... Color Me Dead. No, it's Color Me... What is no. it? No, <laughs> Dead the? Pod. Dead Pod <laughs> 15. What the fuck is it?
1: We don't know what it is. Just start typing shit in until it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to Well, how many times... Dead did Pod 15.
1: We read it so many times wrong because I had typed it on our pages wrong, and she's like, "Um, no, that's not bag. it. Sorry, no, it's where it's awesome. it's a com- it's a collective douchebaggery here, <laughs> or, or maybe go.
0: Uh, what about the bleach shop?
1: They're badass. Check them out. And um, you can get some some curial swiller swag." <laughs> Wow. How about some serial killer swag? <laughs> Swiller killers. We don't know. We, so many words have came out of my mouth today. I can't make any more.
0: <laughs> Thanks
1: for being a trooper. Uh, you can go to oblique com to get them. I just ordered the Zodiac patch.
0: Or you can go to redbubble.com slash people slash color me dead. Or Threadless.
1: It's Color Me Dead Pod on, on Redbubble. Oh, you're right. It's redbubble.com. It's Color
0: Me Dead Pod on both.
1: Yeah. yeah. Redbubble red is redbubble.com backslash people backslash Color Me Dead Pod. And Threadless is... Oh, no, <laughs> I'm like... I'm <laughs> like, you got nothing
0: out of me.
1: Color Me Dead ColorMeDeadPod.Threadless.com. You can check us out on social media.
0: Well... How about we check you out on social media? Check me out. Nikki puts
1: nudes up. Just once a week. Uh, At midnight.
0: Um, You can check us out on Facebook at Color Me Dead Podcast. Or you can get Color Me Dead Podcast group. And also on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. And um, Color Me Dead Pod.
1: On Twitter. On Twitter. Tweet, 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 tweet. That was supposed to be a high pitch, but my, but my throat doesn't work. But we also have Nikki. Nikki. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. I'm on Instagram at gory underscore Nikki, and I'm on Twitter at, at, and tune. At, at? At, at? At, and tune.
0: Star Wars. Star Wars. At, Oh, sorry.
1: All right. Don't you know what an at is? Yes, I do. Oh, but I didn't at first. I'm like, I oh, don't know what you're doing. So... Don't be Asshole Abby. And stay out of chalk lines. And stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seven hours later. (laughs)